1: From the Anti-Up headquarters in Tampa Bay, Florida, it's the Anti-Up PokerCast. And now, here are two guys who think they know how to play poker, Chris Casenza and Scott Long.
0: It's December 1st, 2017. You're listening to the best poker cast on the interwebs. I'm Chris Casenza, And I'm Scott Long. You know, here in America, we're trying very hard to have some bipartisanship... When it comes to Congress, legislature, whatever, <laughs> we're trying to get some things done, trying to have both sides reach across the aisle, and this is not the way we want them to do it.
2: <laughs> can they can can pick another uh, topic to, to come together on other than uh, online gambling? Seriously. And it's like,
0: you know, it's so obvious that, you know, it's like they're being transparent without being transparent. It's It's so obvious why these two are doing this, and it's sad. It's so sad.
2: Yeah. So what we're talking about is uh, two U.S. Senators, Republican Lindsey Graham of South Carolina and Democrat Diane Feinstein uh, Feinstein, sorry, of California, have written a joint letter to the Department of Justice urging it to reconsider an interpretation of the 1960s Wire Act, which allowed Pennsylvania to recently pass online gaming legislation.
0: Gee, I wonder why those two want this to be revisited and hey, shot down. Hey, hey, it's really it's like, you know what it seems like this congress no matter what they just, they won't give up no matter what it is when you lose, you move on you know, but they won't give up, they keep revisiting things that they fail on because they're just hoping eventually they're going to wear you down like an abused partner or something and just give in
2: this is driving me crazy Leave us alone. Yeah, yeah. You know there there are bigger bigger fish to fry out there. Uh, you know, you know, uh, <laughs> the government could be shut down by next week, uh, right now. So I know. It, we're worried about this sixty uh, year old law now, that, and new interpretations of it. Um, but uh, this goes beyond this now. Actually, we got a uh, Supreme Court case that that's going to be a pretty big deal, depending on how it, it rules. Yeah. Uh, I didn't put a note on the on the show here for it, but. Uh, they're taking up uh, an argument on whether states are allowed to uh, do sports betting. And there's 15 states that are ready to go. Um, right now, it's only uh, Nevada that's allowed to, to do sports betting. Um, but but those states think that they have a pretty good case here. And if that decision goes that way, then I think we're going to see a flood of sports betting. And, uh, and then we'll really see the claws come out on these folks that uh, want to hold back on Online betting, I think.
0: Yeah, because it, it'll be, it basically embolden the states to say, "Hey, feds, screw you! I don't have to listen to you. What I'm doing? They said that we could do it, and you can't stop us."
2: Yeah, this is a difficult issue for me as a. Uh, I'm a federalist. I, I don't uh, necessarily side with states' rights uh on a lot of issues. I, I believe the federal government is is there's a reason we have a federal government. Um, but uh, but this is kind of what happens is when the federal government doesn't do anything, then the states step in and fill the gaps, right? Yeah. It's the same thing with anything else. Like, you know, here in Florida, you know, our state legislature does nothing. So residents step up and, and we started passing all these constitutional amendments. And now we have crazy stuff in our constitution about pig farming and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> belong but that's what happens it, it, it's so much easier if you just do the right thing and listen to people and work with people then you don't force people to do these crazy end rounds um that that really muck things up and and i wouldn't say that the state's acting independently on on online poker or online gaming are are doing crazy stuff but they're like you know hey our residents we believe our residents want this uh you're not giving us a framework uh, where they can do it federally so we're gonna do it in our state and um, what ends up happening is we have four or five states now that have uh, online gaming and on all different rules. And it took them a couple of years to even come together. It makes it that much more difficult. So rather than fighting this, I really wish that the uh, federal lawmakers would actually look at the best way to implement it. And that just makes it easier for everyone, I think.
0: I, I agree. Uh, I I'm pretty much with you on that. Uh, that angle a uh, federalist kind of thing where we have one for a reason, but if they 're not taking care of us, states are allowed to take care of themselves, and that 's what's going on here so but uh yeah the the fact that you know we have a California you know person looking out for and we have Lindsey Graham, who we know probably Sheldon Allison probably got to, so it 's just it 's crazy <laughs> it 's just crazy and i uh We were so excited. We wrote a publisher's column about Pennsylvania getting on board and the other three states starting to pool their players and stuff. And now we have to write another one probably saying, hey, let's fight back again.
2: It's driving me crazy. We'll see see how how much weight this letter has. Um, Obviously, uh, it's almost impossible to ever predict uh, what what this current administration is going to do. So um, could ignore it. They could decide, hey, you know, that was an interpretation during the Obama years and we don't like anything Obama does, so we will redo yeah. it. So yeah. um so no reason to panic yet, but it'd be nice uh if if we didn't even have to worry about the panic, right? Yeah, absolutely. All right, well it may uh, may not win. We should be thoroughly impressed with the artificial intelligence victory in Texas Hold'em and scientists understand just how huge it is. It's up for science breakthrough of the year. Um, and also, poker pro Liv Borey has spoken extensively about all the things not connected to poker at all that could be affected by this research. So, two issues here. This it was about Science Magazine that uh, had a big list of science breakthroughs this year, and I gotta admit, um, I, I got a D in chemistry. Um, <laughs> Uh, honor roll student, uh, cum laude, all that stuff, but I do not understand science and math. <laughs> so I look at that big list and I'm like, I don't know what any of this stuff is. Uh, so yeah, I'll go, go with the poker thing because I know that. <laughs> that. That's a
0: lot of basket weaving courses to still become cum laude and have no idea what you're doing in science and math. I don't have a lot of respect for the Ohio school system if you're uh, pushing through cum laude stats with no math or science behind you. <laughs> Oh, man, I tell you. Um, it, it, it's just, it is that impressive. And what what I like most about it is that scientists actually, you know, recognized how fascinating it was to have this computer beat these humans at this. Because in the beginning, it was like, all right, it's Limit Hold'em, and anybody could be a bot for Limit Hold'em. It's just numbers. But right. this was different. And for them to recognize that and realize this was a huge breakthrough for AI at least. Um, and it's just weird that poker, not weird. It was fortunate that poker was the vehicle that made them recognize it. Um, I also think that I read a little bit of what Liv Boree had said, and she's so smart, very Uh, smart, very smart. Uh, so, um, she took it even further, um, because they weren't just asking her about that. They were talking about a lot of things, including the REG charity and stuff. And, um, it's, it's interesting. I, I I agree with her. She mentions on there that she's not too terribly concerned about online poker being affected by this considering that the the AI was not a, initially, right? Yeah, initially, right. She said it's probably in her mind at least more than 5 years away before and even that, she said it was a heads up model and that a ring game model isn't even being explored now because the race was just to be the first one to do this and now that they've done it, you know, to to boil it down, we all know that yeah, and we all had Commodore sixty fours in the seventies and eighties or whatever, and and now you can fit a billion of those in your phone, but it's going to take a while for a multi million dollar computer system to be boiled down to hey, let's try to make ten bucks a week playing poker, <laughs> okay. you know. So uh, she's right in that f- aspect, I think. Um, but then she took it even further, which I thought was interesting about the AI stuff and people are, you know, she thinks it's one of the most it, it's the most critical thing that's facing us right now, considering all the other stuff, climate change and nuclear war and all that. She thinks that it, underestimating AI is a, is a big deal.
2: Well, she makes a compelling point, um, and it's not just her that makes this point. Other people have made this point as well, too, that, you know, the average human IQ is somewhere between 80 and 140, um, but if you can program a computer to have an IQ of 500, right? just think of the problems that you could solve that much more quickly. You know, we're we're smart people, especially those at the 140 end <laughs> of that. Um, but there's a limit to what we can understand, and it takes us a long time uh, to, to get to that point. But if you could do it five times faster, um, that's a pretty big deal in solving a lot of problems. Um, but then she offers the cautionary tale that we have to also control that AI, so it doesn't take us over, you know? Yeah, <laughs> I like think she, the she made the great, was...
0: the great argument about the chimp, saying how yeah. chimps are stronger than we are, but their IQ is far less. And so we could totally control a chimp if we need to. So, yeah, we do. what happens yeah. when you come up against a computer that has the ability to 500 IQ? How do you, you know, you have to put stop gaps or things in place that you can control it with. But even then, it could probably work around it because it's so friggin' smart. So she is worried about about AI and uh I mean rightfully so, I think
2: yeah, well, that's the challenge here is that there's so much power and potential to do good with this, but at the same time it needs to be restrained so you mitigate the the downsides of it and, that, and that's a cautionary tale with anything right you know I mean, look at the internet now, I mean, we can't even imagine our life without the internet would there would not be an anti a poker cast without the internet, right right, right absolutely. But it also means that it's impossible to have any kind of civil conversation on Facebook now. So <laughs> didn't have it before. So uh, there's a good, the good and the bad. So to the extent that you could control the bad and mitigate the bad is going to make the good that much better. And um, so I, I was really impressed with that. I, I, I've heard that she's been interested in this for a while. Um, uh, but this article on PokerStrategy.com that we found uh, really, really went into great detail um, about it and um, very impressive.
0: So I originally put in the notes that it won't win. You said it may not win because you wanted to be all politically correct. But do you really think you it's say, a chance to win? We don't know. I don't
2: know. I don't know what those other things are.
0: Oh, man. I, I don't think it's going to win. But it would be cool if it did win.
2: <laughs> well, absolutely.
0: <but.
2: laughs> uh, all right. So uh, it's restock the shelves time again, Chris. And uh, folks uh, that have been with us for a while know that this is our food bank initiative that we do in partnership with Bushark Optics. This is the fourth year for it. And it's going to return this January. And uh, a lot of rooms are signed up already, including Foxwoods Resort in Connecticut, Jackson Rancheria Casino Resort, and Lucky Chances Casino in California, Harris Cherokee Casino Resort in North Carolina, Seneca Niagara Resort and Casino in New York, Live Casino Hotel in Maryland, Jack Cleveland Casino in Ohio, Orangeville Poker Tour in Canada, Pearl River Resort in Mississippi, Honda Casino in Arizona, and the Windy City Poker Championship in Illinois. Are already signed on. Hopefully we'll have a lot more to add uh, to that and for more details on all these events and how you can encourage the manager of your favorite poker venue to participate, please visit Antipagazine dot slash restock. I always get the warm fuzzies
0: when we start bringing this up and running the ad and getting ready to talk about it and getting ready to get the numbers and all the cans and the people that helped out and just makes you feel so good.
2: Yeah, a couple of things that, that are really good. One, we have now fed, uh, through the efforts of all of our, our poker rooms that have helped out and then all the players that have come out, fed just shy of 200,000 people uh, since we started this initiative. And again, that's just mind-boggling for two idiots uh, talking on Skype in their bedrooms. Right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, so that's pretty amazing. But the other thing, too, is, is that we're to the point now where I have these venues emailing me before we're even ready to go. Saying when's restock going to be? We're all ready to go. We want to do better than last year. Awesome. Um, so it's becoming um, you know a regular event uh, on the schedule of these poker rooms, even without us um, uh, encouraging them to do it. Uh, and they're always wanting to one up. So every year, obviously, we want to do better than we did the year before. Um, and and these casinos are trying to do the same thing as well too. And every year we add new ones as well too. We you know we lose a couple. But uh, hopefully we bring on more than we lose. And um, it's just a lot of fun, I think. And and it's a good cause. And the reason we do it in January is because everybody's charitable right now. It's December, right?
1: Yeah.
2: Almost December. And um, we're all in the holiday season. And then, obviously, this is the time when, when food banks want to do the most good for their folks. And then that means January. Um, hunger is not, doesn't disappear <laughs> when the apple comes down in New York City. And, uh, and now those food banks are depleted. So this is a way to um, get that food back in there uh, to help those people that are still going to be hungry after the new year.
0: Okay, Annie Updates. Join the Annie Up Fans Group Facebook page and post within the group to get feedback on hands, ask call the floor questions, or just discuss anything poker. Go to Facebook and search for Annie Up Fans. It's growing every day.
2: Yeah, and can I can I make a point here that we we had a, an interesting discussion on, on the fans page this week, and uh, it never occurred to me that fans might be holding back on sending us stuff because they're trying to figure out what category it needs to be yeah, in. Yeah, yeah. You know, because on, on the show, just, be, just out of making it orderly and understandable, we, we have different segments, you know, the listener spotlight, the call the floor, hand of the week, but uh, but it seems like some folks are like, well, I don't know which one that this goes into, so maybe I won't send it. Just send us whatever's on your mind. Yeah, you we'll get rewarded
0: for no matter what category it falls in. We'll decide for you. You just send us stuff. We'll take care of it. Absolutely. Um, the other thing, too, is they're starting to do, like, polls on there and stuff, which is really cool. People are starting yeah. to vote, like, their favorite poker room on the Strip in Vegas. And our good our good friend in uh, Chicago, Land Ambassador Joe, seems to be spearheading a lot of those. And I like those polls sometimes. They, you, you find out stuff that you don't really think, would go that way, you know, or whatever and I like it. I like the it the polls are cool. I like
2: polls. careful what you ask for because someone's going to do a poll on who their favorite host is and that's never going to go your way. So I'm I'm fine with that. <laughs> I am totally fine with that. No, so will going to put
0: Faso on there and he'll beat me too, so I don't care. <laughs> uh, you know the well is starting to run dry in hand of the week listener spotlight and call the floor submissions. So, I mean, we can take them off of the any up fans page, but you know, you got to do it and yep. then we'll take yep. care of it. So if you don't do it there, email us at podcastinanyupmagazine.com and uh, we will be sure to put you on the show, put you in the right category and give you uh, something cool if we haven't given you something in the past year. So, Which is what I'm going to say right now. Each week we spotlight <laughs> a listener who emails us at com, and if they haven't won something from us in the past year, just like we'll do with Call to Floor and Hand of the Week or what any other category we come up with, we'll send them <laughs> something cool. Comes from Paul Rolston. He says, how have you evolved your game? What are you doing better in your game now than you used to do? How have you deliberately improved how you play? So I'm going to answer really quick. I'm going to say um, I haven't, um, I'm not, and I haven't. Okay, that's you now.
2: Oh, man, that's hilarious.
0: I mean, evolving oh. the game, my my evolution of my game happened a long time ago. I don't play as often as I want to now but the way i evolved it was i learned all the games and i learned them all fairly proficiently whether it was by reading books or just jumping in and playing for free or playing in a home game but that's how i evolved my game by playing other games i got much better as a player more well rounded and could use the nuances from one game to another to use those skills and things like that that's how i evolved my game uh that's the first question i don't know how about you
2: yeah, I mean, I, that's a very good answer, and, and I would have to agree with that. I mean, I guess to give a different answer, I think um, just paying more attention. You know, poker was always just a fun thing for me. Um, obviously, I always wanted to win money, but it, I was I never took poker seriously, and I still don't, actually. Um, but I take it more seriously now because now I realize that if I watch the action a little bit, I have a lot to learn from players, and not just their um, – tendencies and tells and things like that but you you can actually learn how to play the game well by just watching how different people play so by paying more attention i think my game is is involved or not i guess that's what i would say
0: yeah that's a good answer too and you know there's nothing wrong with education you know i mean reading and and videos and things like that and coaches you know we have fine coaches in the magazine writing for us and those things you know pay pay debts and that they'll help you evolve your game too because just pure education but for us I think it really was just that home game that we did. We decided to make it dealer's choice, and, and you better learn how to play them because you're going to lose a lot of money on Saturdays, and you're going to hate it. So yeah. that really evolved my game, I think. He says, yeah. what are you doing better in your game now that you used to? Um, I'm not playing as often, so I'm not losing as much. <laughs> I think I do that better now, not playing. Um, but no, seriously, I I think the the thing I do better in the game now is probably putting people on hands. When I first mm-hmm. started, I was pretty decent. at Like, you and I would do the Poker 101, and we would always shock the people when they were playing with the blind hand. We'd say, hey, I bet you got each jack there, and they would turn it over into some sort of yeah. instructional thing, and they'd freak out. Like, how did you know that? And I mean, we would hit those hands every once in a while, but now I think I know better now how much you love your hand than you did when, when I was first playing. I just cared about what I how much I loved my hand. So I think I've evolved a little better with putting on – or doing better now than I used to putting people on the hands that they have and whether or not I think they have second best hand and I have the best hand or whatever. And then I can extract more money. So I think I do that better than, than I used to.
2: Hmm. answer. Um, I'm I may related. I would say the the time that I walked into the judge's office and I could pick out everybody's stud hands with no information at all, <laughs> that that was when I really knew I was going to be a good poker player, I think. Um, because before I, I would just guess, and that, that I knew I could look at the tops of the cards, and I knew what everybody had. So <laughs> now it's just
0: second nature to you, right? You can play them <laughs> blind. <laughs>
2: uh, but no, seriously, uh, I—I'm—I'm I'm more aggressive now, which is really the way you have to play. It was never—it's never my tendency to be aggressive in no limit hold'em. Um, limit hold'em, uh, I'm a crazy man, but no limit hold'em was always—I always held back, and—and um, and, and I guess it's a uh, confident aggressive. You know, because we've talked about this before, you can be aggressive all you want, um, but if you're not doing it right, uh, you're going to lose a lot of money. So it's not just being aggressive; it's doing it in the right spots. So, but a lot of that comes from just being more confident in doing it. You know, I, I'm playing a my range is way wider than it ever has been, and uh, I feel comfortable playing junk on in certain situations and making those kind of bets to get people off of hands when I when I think I can. Uh, and that was never in my arsenal back then. I, I was a, especially no limit was a straight A B C. Hey, I hope I get a good cards and and make some money off of it. And uh, and now I, I think I, I'm much better now at 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 getting chips um, based on situations rather than cards.
0: Okay, and he says, how have you deliberately improved how you play? I I I think that sort of still falls into the evolved answer for me. I, I think that I've you know I intentionally tried to get better at those games. I mean, I would I would seek out Super System and Super System 2 and, and just study those pages. And we had, years ago, I brought it up on the show that I actually read the chapter into a mic and then had audio files that I would try to fall asleep to, so it would yeah, go into my subconscious. You know, there were things I, I tried back then. <laughs> I can't even tell you how many of our fans... <laughs> emailed me and said, "Can you send me those MP3s?" And I'm like, "Not a chance, dude. Not a chance." And they're like, "Come on, the audio, that would be awesome. I need it." And I already listened to your voice once a week. it would be were I mean, oh uh, no, not happening, dude. So, I don't I don't think I have them anymore. I think I finally when we moved to the new computer system or whatever, I deleted them, but uh yeah, I think that's really the way I deliberately improved my game was to make sure that I sought out ways to uh absorb the game um from high, from people who knew better than i did that's really the way i deliberately did it i don't i don't know any other way to say it but it still falls into that whole how i evolved my game i think
2: yeah i think there is a related question um deliberately is a strong word for it because i don't know whether i've done anything deliberately i would say another part of of helping me is is, is just with a magazine is that you know we i i proof the issue every um every month and, and you edit it as well too. So we are reading every single strategy article, um, uh, that's in the magazine. Um, and we're reading all the content where, you know, occasionally a winner when somebody asks how you did, uh, how, how you won and they, they explain it. Um, obviously going and watching the final tables of the annual poker tour and watching how their players play, um, certainly helps as well too. And, and talking to them, you know, during breaks or, or after the, after the tournament, um, has really helped. I don't know if that's deliberate. That's been stuffed that it up. You know, it's just part of the job. <laughs> so, it wasn't like I sat there and I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to start proving the magazine. Um, so it's not deliberate, but, uh, but keeping it in the, um, keeping it in your mind. I mean, doing the show review week too. I mean, obviously we know we're terrible at poker, but the fact that we're always talking about it, I mean, you go through the hands a week and um, I mean, how many times have we twisted a turn in the middle of the hand? Yeah. <laughs> we're yeah. Discussing it because the brain is thinking about it now. Um, and then you get done and then we get, you know, flayed on, you know, poker radius or now the anti of fans page. And then I'm like, Oh yeah. Okay. I can see that point of view too. So, um, it's not deliberate. It's part of our lives now because it's part of our jobs. But, um, I would say if it's not part of your job, um, doing this kind of stuff deliberately will help improve your play
0: job, please. It's a career. (laughs)
2: It's an adventure.
0: (laughs) Find yourself in a situation at your favorite poker room or home game and you're not sure what the proper ruling should have been? Email us at podcast at at com, and we'll have Hollywood Casino Toledo Director of Poker, Elliot Schechter, tell you how he would have ruled. This week's prize is a 30-minute telephone lesson and workbook from Thomas Gallagher Casino Seminars. It specializes in poker odds and math at poker911.net. For some reason, I just can't say which and specializes back-to-back. My tongue won't do it. (laughs) <laughs> we got to rewrite this thing. No. More uh, William Lottie says, During a large tournament with late registration still open, the seat to my right is empty. I was under the gun, and the dealer was pushing the pot to the winner when a player came up to the table and put his entry slip in the empty spot. The dealer had not started to shuffle, but said the new player would come in after the button passes, as opposed to coming in on the big blind. The floor agreed... Uh, that the player will come in after the button passes.
2: Uh, Elliot says, TDA Rule seven states, alternates, late registration, and re-entries. Alternates, players registering late, and re-entries will be sold full stacks. They will randomly draw a seat and table by the same process and from the same seat pooled in, then in place for new players and are dealt in except between small, blind, and button. Uh, Elliot says when the new player sat down he should have been given his chips and dealt in immediately. Waiting for the button to pass was the wrong decision here. Couldn't agree more Yeah, every once in a while I'm like, you know, this seems pretty pretty easy and then we send it out to Elliot and I'm like, oops, I guess it wasn't all that easy after all, <laughs> but here's one where it was, so yeah it's um, I, I gotta guess that this dealer maybe just came from the cash game tables and or it's a little bit different, um, although even in that case, I guess if you sit down in the seat, and it's on the big blind.
0: You're putting it in. Yeah, you have the choice to sit out.
2: Yeah, but in tournaments just, you don't. Say, yeah, yeah, you, you want to wait for the button to pass, and that that would be your option to do that. Um, but uh, you don't get that option in tournaments. So no. I, I think the dealer was just in cash game mode there, and um, but even the even, even the that. cash game mode, they yeah. they made it strict here when instead of the option, so. Which I guess would have been even worse if they gave him the option, and then I'm like, "Oh, yeah, no, I'll, I'll skip." <laughs> <'Cause> there's <laughs> absolutely no reason to take a big blind in a tournament, right? right. Know, in cash games, you might want to be delved in because uh, the bad beat jackpot's six hundred thousand, and you don't want to be left out of that money because you're too cheap to put two bucks in. But uh, a tournament, there's absolutely no reason to, to play the, the big blind if, if you have the option to skip it. So, yeah, unfortunate.
0: Kind of bizarre. Sometimes they people just they just make. Like decisions on things because their subconscious isn't working properly or something's not right, and you just you, for some reason you just do it. and You're like, oh, why did I do that? You, know, you don't think. But in this case, it, somebody if somebody argued, I don't know if somebody did because William didn't really say that. But if somebody had said, wait a minute, wait a minute, they probably would have come to the conclusion. But the floor came back and agreed with them, right? So
2: yeah, that, that's the real problem here. That's it's weird. The dealer, I'll, I'll give the dealer a pass all day long because they're just in Wonderland and uh, need to be brought back down. But the floor came over and <laughs> agreed with it, so. <laughs> You know, they're both in Wonderland, and that's just the, how's that happen? Yeah, I don't get that at all. Hey, we uh,
0: get to complete O'Malley's Move today. Always love doing that. Here comes part one.
1: Hello, and welcome to another O'Malley's Move. I'm Malcolm O'Malley. This week, we're seated in a $2, $5, no-limit hold'em casino cash game. This isn't our regular casino, and it seems like we found ourselves in the middle of a game of regulars. Most of the players are well-versed in the game, but they like to see a lot of flops, with no fewer than three or four players to each one. We bought in for $500 and currently sit with about 375 It's a full table. We've been playing for about two hours. The blinds post, the under-the-gun calls, the plus-one folds, the two MPs calls, The hijack calls, and we're in the cutoff with the jack of hearts, jack of diamonds. Ugh. There's already four players in this pot, and three to act behind us. I know this is probably a raising situation, and maybe here is our first mistake, but after being down 125, we are a little gun-shy and elect to call, essentially turning this into a set-mining operation. The three players behind us all call. We're eight-handed, going to a flop with $40 in the pot. The king of spades, jack of spades, nine of diamonds comes down. The small blind checks, but the big blind makes an overbet of $50. This player hasn't done anything too far out of line that we've seen so far tonight, but we also haven't really seen much of his hands. When we sat down, he had $800 and currently sits with closer to 1000 Why so much? It's folded around to us, and we're in a bind here. I think raising is the move. But even a min raise would be to 100, and that's more than a quarter of our stack. We decide to go with a raise of 125. The button and small blind fold, but the big blind thinks briefly before shoving. So, the action's on us. What's the move?
2: Alright, if our opponent has pocket kings, he played it pre flop like he was on a suicide mission, so I'm dismissing that. And if he has the only other hand that has his beat, uh, my former favorite hand, queen 10, that's another thing I've involved. That's right. Uh, the initial overbet seems reckless, too. Uh, it sure seems to me that he has a highly vulnerable hand, maybe a set of nines or two pair. So I think we're good, um, but we also have outs to improve if he uh, if he was playing that flop straight oddly. Uh, since you didn't say it, I will. How
0: do you not raise free flop? <laughs> we have Jack-Jack, and Mark, Scott even just said he was playing with Pony Kings like Suicide Mission. It's the same thing. I just... Uh... How do you not? And you limp too. You limp against multiple opponents. I mean, oh, it's just crazy to me. Uh, All right. So it's obvious he has queen tenor spades because he was in the big blind and there wasn't any race preflop. I'm going to eliminate spades by the size of the bet he made. So we need the board to pair because I'm calling with middle set.
2: Wow. You really don't think he could have two pair there? No. Really?
1: I don't think so. Here we go. Hello again. We should have raised preflop if for nothing else to thin the field and be able to define our opponent's hands. Here's the problem, and here's why we're kicking ourselves for not raising preflop. Let's narrow this opponent's range. Kings and aces probably would have raised preflop, but could this be king-jack, jack-nine, king-nine, nines, spades, queen-ten, king-queen? He's playing from the big blind and wasn't facing any kind of a raised preflop. His range could really be anything. But I just can't bring myself to fold middle set here. Pair the board. We call, our opponent turns over the Queen of Clubs, Ten of Clubs for the nut straight, and after two bricks on the turn and river, we have to rebuy. Until next time, I'm Malcolm O'Malley saying, don't play timidly prefit. I hope to see you, in the film.
2: Well, what and O'Malley said. Got <laughs> <laughs> a raise. Uh, but when we went for the set mine, uh, the danger in doing so is that when we strike gold, we don't know how valuable it is. And that's exactly what happened. We hit our set, but then we're like, oh, boy, maybe maybe the guy over there has platinum or titanium. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, and we didn't narrow it down. So, um, But that being said, too, I'm going to go a little off script here because I didn't have anything in there. I still think our opponent played this hand weird. But we can talk about that after you uh
0: Yeah, no, I was just going to say Jax, can't win with them, Can't beat them. Can't fold them. <laughs> but when we don't raise heavily preflop with four callers, we deserve to lose. <laughs> but yeah, that was kind of an odd way to play that hand.
2: Oh, uh, just a lack of value there. I mean, obviously he got uh he got us all to call, but um but he uh, bet more than the pot, With a main hand, I mean, I know. Okay, you worry about spades coming, but geez, you know, when you flop a straight, you got to get some value out of that hand.
0: Yeah, I mean, yeah, and that's what it does seem like that somebody's just so shell shocked that they would bet that much because they're so afraid of the spade, or even like another ten or queen peeling off and giving someone else the easy straight, the four card straight that he already has, right? You know, or somebody with ace queen making a bigger straight. So yeah, they, they they do, and I sometimes fall into that camp. You know, you start getting whipped at, you know, people sucking out on you. You start saying, all right, this guy's not going to suck out on me. And you just, and you take down a really small paw and then you kick yourself later. But, you know, sometimes it happens to you. You just don't, you don't well, want to see those cards, you know, hurt you.
2: Yeah, if this guy was playing with, with trauma here, imagine if we would have hit our boat here. <laughs> I know. Or somebody else would have called and hit their uh, their flush when we when this guy way overbet the pot <laughs> and it's still lost. So, I mean, he, he would have to be – he'd have to quit at that point. So yeah, he'd walk away from it's the It's just table. not a good way of playing. So, I mean, we've all been there, so I get that, I guess. But um, and I'm certainly not suggesting he should have checked here and trapped <clears> that thing to do. Uh, it's even worse than betting 50 here. But, you know, 20, 25, even 30 might have been a more reasonable bet to, to get some action here. Yeah.
0: Yeah, when you make your hand, you want to get paid off. Um, unless he had some sort of inside information where he knew the way people played, that somebody could be limping with you know, a pair or could make the two pair, like you said, because it looked like he thought he get paid off. So he said, no matter what I put in, somebody's going to call because I got two pair, like you were thinking, or you know, who knows, You know, even a spade draw, he wants to get paid off because these people are really aggressive and tend to play their draws, so... You know, I mean, he has some some knowledge that we don't know, but it just certainly seemed like he should have bet a little less to me.
2: Yeah, because the other thing too is that now it shoves out players in between other players, right? right. So if he bets fifty and I'm next to Ack and we still have two more players after me, and I got something like two pair or something, uh, I got to worry whether how expensive this hand's going to get for me, right? And, at that point, maybe I maybe I fold, and if you've got a straight there up in this two pair, you you want that money, right? Right. So, um, but hey, you know he goes to call, so <laughs> good for him. All right, it's time for AdvancedPokerTraining.com, dot com hand of the week. Send your hands or situations to podcast at magazine dot com, and you do not have to figure out whether it's a hand of the week or a situation of the week. That's right.
0: That's right. That's
2: right. Because we don't even know how. To.
0: And that was part of the discussion, too, by the way. That was something people was. were like, well, how do I know if I'm sending in a hand or a situation? I'm like, doesn't matter. Just send it in something that happened to you at the table, and we'll figure it out for you. You
2: know, It's always like those things when you have, like, you know, I hate using customer service on the web, right, where you're not talking to anybody, you're not even chatting. you got, like, a little box that you're filling out, and then you have to click one of the what, – what is your, your question concerning? And it's none of that, it's right? none of
0: those things, yep.
2: And then there's not a none of the above option, so you have to, like, pick a bad one. <laughs> <laughs> No, we don't do that. There's no, there's no little chart you got to fill out, folks. Just, just email us, and we'll we'll, we'll take out care one. of it for you. Right. But if you do that, and you haven't won something from us in the uh, the past year, you'll get a free membership to Advanced Poker Training, the world's number one poker training site. Uh, Vic G is back this week, Chris, with a yes. uh, hand with aces. Getting ready to make me look foolish again. All right. Uh, let's see. He says, uh, "Let me move your little head out of the way here." You're always in the way. Why am I always Wait. in the way? I don't know. I don't know. but I mean, You're not now. It's you're off the side. I've marginalized you. Thank you. Just like always. <laughs> he says he's playing one, uh, one two, no limit hold'em. Um, at his uh, card room up in Florida and the panhandle. Mm-hmm. Uh, he says we're at a nine, full nine-handed table. Uh, final day of their main event. Main event begins in two hours, so several of the tournament players are seated at my cash game table. There are three clear spots at the table all tournament players. Seat 3 is a gentleman in his 60s who bought in for the $400 maximum, has topped off his stack several times to the tune of about 400 bucks, and was recently felted by seat 9 and rebought for another $400. He sits with 370. And seat 4 is a young guy who is very active and likes to gamble it up. He's added $100 to his stack a few times. I put him all in a few hands prior and he called off his short stack with jack ten of hearts and flopped two pair to beat my queen jack. The double um double up put him at 125. Uh, seat 8, a guy in his 50s who has played conservatively but just can't seem to release a hand. He made a poor call in a big pot on a gut shot, claiming he was priced in. Actually, he said guy shot. That's kind of funny. Uh, <laughs> uh, he, he clearly wasn't. Uh, he's into the game for about 800 and sits with $320. Uh we are in seat 1 with 394 Skittles. Uh, I have everyone at the table covered with the exception of the guy on my right in seat 9 who has profited off these three spots and sits with just over $1,100. Nice. Very good post flop player. Uh, seat nine missed missed his uh, big blind, uh, and as we turn to the table, when the button is on seat eight, uh, so he opts to buy the button for three dollars. You can do that in a cash game. <laughs> <laughs> uh, with only one uh, blind, the action starts on me in seat one, and I look down at ace of spades, ace of hearts.
0: Okay, it's on us.
2: It's on us. We're first to act.
0: Well, we don't limp. Am I right? Yeah. That would be bad. All right. All right. So, uh, I don't know what the standard raises the table, but I, whatever I've been standardly raising with <laughs> is what I would standardly raise with now. I mean, I, if Vic has been sitting at this table and raising to 12, then raise a 12. He's been raising to 10, raise a 10. You don't want to give away your hand at all in any capacity. So, You might get tricky if you knew you had a guy that was crazy and wanted to raise every hand when he was in this particular seat, and he's in that particular seat at this moment. Stuff like that, that's different level thinking, and if you want to try that, maybe you want to try it, but you get aces so rarely that you know the planets have to really align for you to get the perfect situation to play them that way sometimes, and in this case, I don't know anything about the people other than how they got felted and how big their stacks are, but I don't really know the way they play, so I'm not Going to be tricky with these. I'm just going to raise the standard raise that I've been making all day that I've been sitting at this table. So, whatever that is, I would raise to.
2: I like it. I'm going to do the same thing. Okay, cool. All right. Vic says, I don't want to kill my action and I don't want to have it limp around. Since I'm in the, the big blind position, I'll be second act after the flop. Early position raises should garner more respect than raises from later positions, but this group seems oblivious. I open for the standard $17 raise with the intention of re-raising a three bet, uh, but isn't a third raise indicative of pocket aces? So oh, $17 raise in a one-one-two—that's kind of shocking. That's a standard raise, then. That's
0: pretty big. Yep. If you right. thing there's a straddle on to five or something. Right. But that's that's pretty big.
2: Seat three quickly, three bets to thirty-five dollars. Very rare, but I'm delighted. Seat four calls as is seat eight from the button. <laughs> wow, <laughs> this is a juicy game, isn't it? Yeah. So
0: wait, seat three, five, and eight. Uh, three, four, and eight. Four and eight well,
2: call. Seat, seat three is the one that three bet to thirty-five. Right. Four and eight call. Um, seat nine folds, and action is back on us. <clears throat>
0: I don't like just a call because we're out of position and there's too many people up against our aces. That's if you go up your six, against six cards right there, you know anything could happen with a flop. Uh, not that anything couldn't happen with just one player, but you like your 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 odds improving gramat- dramatically when you're doing this. So I, I just I think I'm gonna make it like a hundred. That's plenty of money for me to take down. Three guys putting in thirty-five. It's already a hundred in the pot. Not to mention our seventeen in the blinds. So uh, why would flop this preflop? So there's no rake. I'd yep. be happy to just take it down right now with aces, even even shove. But it, in this case, you got three ninety
2: four. You don't need yeah, to. Yeah, a little too deep for that. But yeah, yeah. hundred is a significant raise, I think. And the way this the table is, it seems pretty a pretty gamey table. They're probably going to get a caller, and that's that's great. I want one caller. I don't want four. But a hundred bucks should make it should get us down to one caller.
0: And I think you're probably playing with your cards face-up this way, but you know what? I mean, you can get away from the hand if you have to later. At this point, I don't, I don't care if you don't have aces or kings. You may think I'm making a move, but I already raised preflop from this situation, so it, it's clear that I wasn't making a move twice, I don't think. I mean, maybe we were. Maybe we're still playing the card at the table, but that's a lot of money out there already. You literally you take it down now, you've gotten your stack up to $500, and just like that, without even doing anything. So. Right. There's no reason for me not to, to four bet. Is it four bet here? Yeah. So oh, yeah. four bet now, so four bet. Raise, no, actually,
2: it's Two bet, three bet. I, so yeah, I think so it's three bet, <laughs> so we're actually three bet, but um all right. Uh here's says a call by me. Would put one forty three in the pot. I decided to raise ninety seven and make it one thirty two to go. Yes. I added three red trips, three red ships and four green ships. Not the intimidating tower. Multicolored ships got my bet in an online game. <laughs> I love it though. Uh, seat 3 thinks for a bit before calling. Seat 4 gives a crying call for his remind, remaining $90. And Seat 8 feels as he's priced in and calls. Oh, my gosh. Wow. <laughs> wow! Well, we were going to bet less than Vic did.
0: Wow. I don't know this what to is, say. I, 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 There's no way we're going to come out smelling good at the end of this one.
2: This is tough. This is tough. This is where I'm like, gosh, why did I have to get aces? Of all the gin joints, <laughs> had to be my aces now. <laughs> uh Vic says this is already the largest pot i've seen at the table and uh he says aces under the gun is always a tricky situation any suggestions on else i might have played this hand pre-flop <laughs> i don't think so you played exactly like we are Man. um you know in hindsight if we we thought that everybody's gonna call i mean I, I don't know what kind of bet you could put in here that people wouldn't i mean i guess if you did the show what we we talked about when thought it was ridiculous maybe we've got one or two people out but you can't do that on a regular basis, right?
0: No, that's just too much. You're just risking too much money for guys who are willing to gamble. I mean, yeah, okay. So in the long run, you'd probably win because aces are going to beat the other hands so many times. So I don't know. Maybe you could. If I knew these guys were going to call, I would definitely have shoved.
2: Oh yeah. Because well, I don't want to whoop against three other well, hands with aces. Yeah. Man. All right. The pot sits at five hundred twenty-four dollars. I'm first to act. Uh, we have two hundred fifty remaining, uh, which is obviously less than half size bet. Uh, half pot size bet and we have seat three covered and both seat three and three eight we have covered you say 525 uh 524 the pot 24 okay yep uh he says without knowing the flop am i shoving all in no matter what the flop might be if not am i calling any bet i don't know about no matter what but it's going to take a really weird board for me not to want to shove here am i wrong
0: yeah i don't know what that board is maybe it's queen jack 10 of hearts and we don't oh, we have the hearts a queen jack 10 of clubs maybe Club. that i yeah. don't know if i'm shoving on but i mean that's the old tj cloutier video game thing right?
2: just, I think worse something like you know seven eight nine where we we don't have a straight out yeah you know we, at least to your example we, we have a running straight possibility yeah that's true But yeah it would have to be something like that something where the board just looks brutal beyond brutal yeah, like
0: four, four sets to what you don't hold, and to where your ace can't even make a straight. You know that that to me, uh, four sets, four uh, suits. Did I say four sets? Four. four sets. You know, okay. three three to a three to a suit. So a four a four card flush is already out there, and you don't you don't have the ace to it. You know, those are the type of hands where you're going to be gambling if you're shoving. But if it's something where there's any kind of chance where they have to hit another card to get you, or two cards to get you, or something, then yeah. But uh, any bet you make is going to be all in.
2: I yeah, I think. Oh, any any bet anybody makes is going to be. I mean, yeah. anybody else you have covered, so anybody else's bet is going to be all in. Yeah. I mean, really, your only other option of being less is hoping that seat eight is the one that shoves, and then the other guy just calls, and then you. Yeah, because you already have a guy all in. But even at that at that point, then the turn you're going to get it in, so it doesn't really matter. I think at this point, so um, yeah, it's going to have to be a really bad board for me not want to get this this in. And of course a really bad board will probably come. (laughs) Yeah. I mean it's free flop right now, so we have the best hand right now. Yeah. You know, it could be tied with somebody else. Somebody else could have the other two aces, but we have the best hand right now. And it's not Um, Omaha. Yeah.
0: You know. Generally the best hand pre flop, you know, it's it's gonna do well as opposed to Omaha where anything can happen. All right. Let's let's see the flop.
2: Uh, he says I have a stack of red chips in, in hand before the dealer puts out the flop. As soon as I see Queen of Diamonds, Four of Hearts, Seven of Clubs, I bet two fifty and I'm all in. Yeah. Seat three thinks for quite some time before calling. Seat eight again feels priced in and also calls. Uh, the board runs out with a Five of Hearts and Four of Diamonds. The final board: Queen of Diamonds, Four of Hearts, Seven of Clubs, Five of Hearts, Four of Diamonds. And my aces are good to take down the $1,200 pot. Seat 3 had pocket kings. Seat 4 had pocket tens. Seat 8 had pocket eights. I ran the numbers when I got home, and I'm only a 54% favorite pre-flop on the flop. This improves to 72%. Because if you were playing from seats 3, 4, 8, how would you have played the hand pre- and post-flop? They're in some tricky situations, too. I was a little shocked to see pocket Kings. He didn't get it all in pre-flop. If he had, he surely would have folded out the other two players.
0: I don't I don't see the guy who... Like, I don't know how short the guy was who was all in when he made that call pre-flop. I don't know how short he was. Maybe he's saying, you know what? I got a pair. Maybe I'm against Ace-King. Maybe I'll flop a set and triple up here because it's not enough money to really worry about and I'm priced in or something. But the to not re-raise again with the Kings is kind of shocking. And if you knew that we had three bet with aces, you know. You should definitely, and you get a call, you definitely should probably let go of your eight eight, you know, Uh ten ten. Then after the flop, and you had ten ten or eight eight, and there's a queen on top of it. Yeah, you don't even
2: have top of it. at that
0: point. Yeah, yeah, that's crazy. Those two guys, they're just. I mean, one of them's all in, so whatever. But the other guy, it's like, yeah, dude, get out. You just you just match to, you know. Match to to the money. You're flaming it up there. That's wasting your money. So that's crazy to me. But the King-King guy, I mean, I guess he kind of got tricky.
2: Well, here, here's the problem with the King-King. And I've been in this situation before, and talk about involving the game. One of the leaks that I plugged is not getting married to a high pocket pair. And, you know, as Vic mentioned, that, you know, the, the third raise is always aces, right? Um I've lost a lot of money where I've I've made that call with queens and then somebody turns over aces or kings and I'm like I knew it but I still called them. Yeah. idiot yeah. you know so and there's no difference here between kings and queens in this scenario if if we think that we're up against aces if that raises as aces um what do we do at that point so I mean I guess a really good player might have folded there and, and lost his thirty five bucks. Um and actually it 's probably not a bad move with all the other people in the hand already um don 't know how many of those people were going to call as it turns out everybody did so if that if that gives me even more reason to get out because we were not happy with our aces with all those callers, so kings are even worse right yeah. um I think that 's a tough lay down, but I think I could have made that lay down at that point now on the flop now the problem is is if you if you, if that 's what you 've decided we have the flop doesn't help. Now you've turned your kings into a set mine, and you didn't set mine. So now when we shove, at that point you're going to go, oh well, you probably have aces, but I need to see them. You know, <laughs> right? <laughs> it, that doesn't work either, I don't think. So, um, so yeah, I that that's the problem I think with the kings there. Um,
0: the guy with eight eight. Okay, so you've you've seen the flop. If you're not the all in guy, even if you're ten ten, either one. I can't remember which one.
2: But... Yeah, eight eight wasn't though.
0: Okay, yeah. so eight eight's not all in. He sees a raise, a re-raise, a call. So he calls. He sees another raise to a hundred and whatever it was, one thirty-two or some crazy number, and then he sees a call, and then an all-in, and he still thinks his eights are good or can, ha- you know, I don't know what he thinks. I'm going to set mine. Okay, so I'm going to set mine for hundred and thirty-two dollars on a one-two game. Yeah. And then, when he doesn't hit it, and some guy goes all in for 250, another guy calls, you think you need the call to hit a two-outer for two streets to go?
1: <laughs> what are you
0: thinking? Yeah, yeah that's tough. The 8-8 eight eight oh. that bad. The other hands, uh, maybe there's an argument for the way they played it, and maybe he didn't believe Vic, he's seen Vic before, or maybe he thinks Vic's real aggressive, maybe he thinks Vic only had ace-queen, he hit his queen. I mean, who knows? But... The ten ten was all in, so whatever. I still think he made a mistake, but the 8-8, oh, that's just that's unbelievable. That's that's people have money to waste, money to burn.
2: Yeah. Now uh, here's the problem I had with them pre-flop. Uh, normally thirty-five bucks, that that's fine. I mean, that's a pretty big pot, and if you if you get lucky and hit your set, then you're you're probably going to win a, a really big pot there. Problem is, is that was, you know, there was a. a a healthy raise and then a re-raise before it gets to you. So at that point, you have to assume, I think, that Vic is going to raise again. So you're not going to be able to see that flop for 35 bucks. And at that point, I think you need to decide uh, whether you want to play for your whole stack uh, up against multiple players. And again, these are all tough laydowns. Um, but I think if you think about them now, looking and, and not with the result, but looking back at it now, no, there's a good reason for, for Kings to get out, and certainly good reasons for 10s and 8s to get out uh, before committing a lot of money here.
0: Have you ever folded Kings preflop? I don't think I have. I've I done it I... at least three times, and every time I've done it, I was right. Not bragging. <laughs> I'm not bragging at all. I'm saying it was obvious.
2: But that's it. Yeah, if you're going to fold, you have you're going to have a really good feeling that you're beat right you're not gonna it's not gonna be a 50 50 eh, i don't know if you're gonna fold it you have a pretty good feeling so i i i absolutely would agree that uh i'm not shocked at all that you said that all three of them have been good yeah
0: um uh, it's funny i started watching some poker on tv again i'm watching the high roller uh, cash game on at the aria yeah they got some good characters on there and of course they got that rick solomon i've dated Paris and married Pamela Anderson guy (laughs) and there was a hand where he had pocket kings and uh one of the amateur uh billionaires was sitting at the table Morgan something and he um he three bet Rick and usually Rick never folds a three bet blah 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 and so he had kings and he's like I've never folded kings in my life can I fold them here and he was serious because he's yeah. he's pretty wild the way he plays. He, his his stack was up and down like the stock exchange, you know. So he he was going pretty crazy and he he ended up folding the kings and then the guy showed the aces and he was like, "Wow," and he couldn't believe it. He, he he actually folded them and it happens. I mean, it happens. It happens aces come up over kings every once in a while and it's not that big of a deal because all the time when queens come up over tens or something. It's just they're just two cards that came up when you happen to get your two cards. It's not that big of a deal. You'll get another hand in 5 seconds. Let all it right. go. Yeah, you know, yeah. just crazy. But yeah, that's I. That was the shortest Vic G hand ever. I mean, I know we've talked a little bit more, but <laughs> when he when he went right through it, he said oh, everybody's all in. We all called, and there's the turn in the river. I'm like, wait a minute, where's the lesson? Where 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 am I going to get schooled on this? I didn't get schooled?
1: <laughs> oh
0: man, that's great. <laughs> yeah, see, I'm just making my case for best any poker host. So <laughs> when we have that poll, don't do the poll, guys. Like <laughs> ego can't take it this week. <laughs> I'm Chris Cassenza.
2: And I'm Scott Locke.
0: We'll see you at the table.
1: AntiUp is a production of antiupmagazine.com. Contact the show at podcast at AntioffMagazine.com or call our hotline at 206-338-6344. If you'd like to advertise, send an email to advertising at anteatmagazine.com or call 727-331-4335. Some music used in this episode comes courtesy of the Podsafe Music Network.